it's gotten a lot less stigmatized when you're talking about sexual wellness. But once you move into sexual pleasure and then entertainment, and then in, never mind that, if you're talking about you know women's pleasure, black, other oh, people of color's pleasure, disabled people, older people, fat people, queer people's pleasure, any of the, the, the like marginalized groups of pleasure, now it's like, okay, how many th times uh, stigma do I need to get you? Well, what's your, your point of intersections of modularization uh, <laughs> yes, look like? Welcome to Sex and Color, the show featuring all things sex and sexual wellness from BIPOC voices in the field. I'm your host, Adriel Collins. I'm an LPC, sex therapist, coach, educator, struggling PhD student, and a self-proclaimed sex nerd. I am also the owner of Melanin Sex Therapy in Dallas, Texas. Joining me on the show today are Ruben and Sherry Johnson, or as they are affectionately known as the Fly Duo. They are co-founders of Fly Media Productions, which is an award-winning non-traditional brand agency obsessed with destigmatizing pleasure that is based out of Atlanta, Georgia. So thank you so much, you guys, for joining me on this podcast, and I am looking so forward to this awesome conversation. So thank you again for being here. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's get started. Um, like I said, thank you both for agreeing to be on the show, and I'm really, really excited and happy that you both are here. Uh, so yeah, just to start, tell us about um, Fly Media Productions and like what inspired you um, to create your sex positive branding agency. Okay, um, Sherry, you mind if I yes, jump and take do. this part? Okay, um, so it's it's we have an back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have, we kind of have an interesting story in that when we first started our agency, um, like about twenty years ago. We were just doing regular kind of schmegular stuff you would expect like a design a creative agency to do it was about 10 years ago when we started like diving more seriously into like the sex space but more on our personal life but it ended up taking us on like kind of like a wild journey of like sexual discovery and just um just all kinds of stuff we ended up Liberation. You know, yeah, liberation. <laughs> yeah. I call it a, a pleasure, liberation journey of our own. Yeah, it took us down yeah. a very unexpected path. Oh, yeah, because we changed everything. Everything from, like, from church and religion. Like, yeah. I, Damn. I used to, um, oh, yeah. I, well, I heard somebody sorry, say. I you off. No, no, no don't, don't even worry. <laughs> don't even have, worry about it. Have, have my thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we took that phrase, question everything, literally. At least, yeah. at least I did. So I questioned everything. Um, I dove into anthropology and history and sexuality and religion, theology. I just questioned everything because I had been living one way for so long how I was raised. Um, and through, you know, all kinds of stuff, I ended up having a huge crisis and con crisis of conscience and yada, yada, yada. When we came out on the other side, because we were go working through that for a number of years, we were like drastically different in certain ways. Um, but in a better off. So we're like, we love where we came out on the other side, but it also is mad. You know, you're, I mean, you're doing this professionally. It's yeah. mad time consuming. And it is. We, we had a business doing regular mainstream stuff. So it was hard to kind of do both. And we really wanted to just keep focusing 
and sexuality and where we were, but we still love doing a creative agency and brand and all of that. So, you know, over time, we couldn't kind of ignore that. It was like, it felt like a massive calling. It yeah. wasn't like we were trying to be educators or, um, or therapists, but we knew something around sexology like mattered. So it took us a while to kind of figure out how to make it happen. But ultimately we decided let's bring our business into this space. And we kind of like working our personal and professional in parallel with each other. Everything yeah. we're doing personally to benefit our own lives, we can use to help support our clients in the work that they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and, got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think like, yeah, like your your journey is kind of like similar to mine. Like when people ask me, like, how did I become a sex therapist and like what made me want to get into this line of work? Um, yeah, I I was going on my own journey and like having some sexual awakenings about myself and seeing the lack of dialogue around sex and sexuality and the need for it. And so yeah, I think like that all leads us here to the field of sexuality. And, you know, even though you're not like licensed therapists or like educators or whatever, what you do matters and like you putting out pleasure and you showing brands how to incorporate pleasure and sex positivity, like that's education in itself. And that matters tremendously um, because it's getting the word out that pleasure is important. Pleasure is normal. Sexuality is normal and healthy and it's nothing to be ashamed of. So yeah, it's- Oh, it's thank better. you so much. <laughs> yeah. I, I found that to be so like so interesting. So many people we know who are doing professional work in pleasure, regardless of what it is. It's like, it seems like a huge swath of us all. Yeah. yeah, like we all seem to like come from, there's so many similarities at a really deep Repressed level. Backgrounds. Yeah, it's <laughs> like we were talking to someone who was building a whole platform and we're like, they're like, oh, I used to be a Southern Baptist and I had this experience and I had an awakening and we're like, holy shit, we used to be <laughs> like, so we had this whole conversation and literally we were talking about branding and tech and all of that. And then we actually know we're talking about religion and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really interesting. I appreciate the people we connect with and all that. A lot of really, really yeah, good people. Yeah. So when you are working with um, people like companies, like how, how do you navigate conversations around like race and sex and, and queer issues with your clients um, that you work with? Oh, I appreciate that. Do you want to go share or do you want me to? Um, yeah. When I was reviewing the, um, the talking points that you had sent over earlier, I think my, the first thing that came to my mind was that just the way that we've positioned ourselves, we've done so very intentionally to attract like-minded clients and people who share our values and to repel people who don't. So we're kind of, yeah, it, we don't deal with a lot of um, like challenges with our clients in that way because we, they, we all kind of want the same things. Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. Like if you, if you don't stand for a lot of what we stand for as far as, um, social or, or whatever alignment, I don't think you're ever going to pick up the phone and give us a call or send us an email. I think our brand is, is strong enough intentionally where only the right people are giving us a call, which makes it easier for vetting purposes as mm -hmm. far as that, that side of vetting. Um, 
I, the only things I think that we've like some of the things we've dealt with around navigating race um, and sexuality and stuff has been more stuff where our clients are navigating it. And yeah, exactly. Bring the challenges hmm. to us. We had a. Oh, sorry, my bad. No, I was about to say, can you speak more more to that? Oh, yeah. So we had a client, um, not in the pleasure space whatsoever, but they were a, a really large healthcare client. Um, and one of the, the unexpected challenges we had when we were working with them on a rebrand was they did not want it to be shown on on some of like the pages about the executives that they were black led because they mm. were really concerned the impact that could have if that was more public knowledge because they were such a large company um, and they didn't want that to really be at the forefront. Um, for us, we were like really um, like excited to like celebrate that celebrate <laughs> yeah. that yeah but um they you know they gave you know they gave us their rationale and talked to us mm -hmm. and stuff so we you know we obviously deferred in that case to what they wanted and what their concerns were and then worked with them on some adjustments on you know the visuals and stuff in you know to respect that on the yeah. other side we had a really cool client who um they do stuff they were doing uh they're an alcoholic beverage cider beverage um, specifically inspired by furry community, um, mm -hmm. and they, they're part of, yeah, they're yeah. part of the furry community and they're queer, queer owned and led. And a lot of their consumers are, um, and so that was like kind of our first for us. So we had to, you know, we learned deep dove into furries and all of that, which was really cool. One of the challenges we had there was, um, like furries, there's the side that's connected to like sex and sexuality. And then there's a side that's not at all connected with it. And they wanted it to be clear that like they they totally embrace both sides, no problem with either side. But this their specific brand has to, you know, they wanted to be leaning toward the side that's more mainstream. Um, yeah. but they didn't want to like disavow the other side, but they we had to navigate a lot of the stigma that's out there around furryism. Yeah. Um yeah. so they reference like the Bob Burgers that the Bob's burger cartoon episode, like where they talk about furryism and stuff. <laughs> it was just really interesting. Like they're they're a really good team. I really loved working with yeah, them. It's a great project. Um and we learned we learned a hell of a lot. I think that's one of the things I really like about what we do is we're we're really learning new stuff all the time about yeah. a lot of different types of businesses. Yeah, I can imagine. And just for the listeners who may not know or who may not be familiar with the furry community, can you uh, explain like what furries are and like what the furry community is? Sure. And, and just a caveat, like I can only give it from an outsider's perspective because, um, yeah. you know, so I want to like be legit homage, you know, respect to furry the community. Furry is like when folks like dress up in animal costumes and it's like kind of like who their persona in animal form or like you can think of it like their avatar as an animal so like you could be a fox furry and you got like you make a whole outfit that's like looks you look like a fox and you got like a fox head or a wolf or you know any kind of like animal um and then they just they go and they hang out and they do like re you know like stuff that you would it's do like fandom like yeah, any other yeah fandom like I, we read several articles on it at the time it was very fascinating and, yeah. yeah and they just do a lot of regular regular stuff yeah. like go they have whole gatherings and play like games and stuff but they'll all be like furried out and hang out they're really tight like real close community of people yeah and a lot of them are very much like mavericks creatives and all of that yeah um, 
but yeah, Sherry said it right. Fandom. I think it, that's an easier, simpler way to say it. Kind of like how Twilight. That's people how they. Became... That's how they explained it to us. And that, yeah. that's the one word that connected with me. I'm like, okay, I totally get that. That makes <laughs> yes. Sense. We can make fandom around almost anything. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. And I, I do think like that is like a common. And I don't want to go on a tangent, but I. I can talk about kinks and stuff like that all day, but <laughs> we got our own thing. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, I think like fandom is like the perfect way to to describe it. And I think like that is awesome that there is like a company out there that they have people that are part of the community, founded by the community, because I think like that's a way to kind of like mainstream it and normalize it. And just like, these are regular everyday people. And like, this is just a thing that they do. And this is a thing that they enjoy. And like, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to criticize. And yeah, so that is awesome. Um, I'm gonna have to get the name of that cider company. Um, so oh yeah, it's slightly like, furry. They're slightly. Um, so they have, they started out in Chicago and then now they're up in Seattle, right? Seattle, yeah. Washington. But it's I think it's like slightly furry. Dot com. Yeah, yeah. Dot com. Yep. Yeah. You can find them on like like any of the social media and stuff. But they're really they're really cool. Um, they're yeah, big fans of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some common misconceptions that y'all get about like the work that you do? I love this question. Uh, yeah. If you don't mind, Sherry, I'll just no, jump ahead. right in. People are so hung up on the idea sex sells. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number one misconception. People think that if you're selling a thing and you overtly out front, honestly put sex on there, it's going to sell like hotcakes mm -hmm. or whatever sells fast. Yeah. And I think that it could be, could not be further from the truth in our experience. Mm -hmm. I think when you put sex, attach sex to something in an honest, genuine, overt way, now you come up against stigma. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things is like people who are selling sex are not necessarily doing it up front. They're not upfront about that they're using sex to sell. And it's why like they kind of play into that nebulous, like referencing, hinting to it, which allows them to kind of navigate around stigma. Our approach is very much about we're going and coming at things from a very upfront way. And part of that is because we're looking to remove stigma versus um, pretend the stigma is not there and then work around it. So I think that's one of the biggest things from our perspective has been that there's a lot of stigma attached to like sex, sexuality. <laughs> yes. I, I know that from my own, um, experience and yeah, like this is kind of like why I have to brand myself as like sexual wellness, even though I don't kind of, I consider it sexual wellness, but it's pleasure and it's, sexual pleasure is sexual wellness and it all goes hand in hand and like giving voices to marginalized folks um, who work around sexuality and who are in the field of, of, of sex. And so I think you are absolutely right. I think like mainstream society, of course, has determined like what we want to be sexualized and who looks good sexualized and who is worthy of being sexualized. And like a lot of times it's not folks like us. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And I think the more like from what we've seen and the folks we've talked to, the more you're putting folks like us in the forefront, the more you're going to, in, you're going to bump up against that, like transparent. It's like, you know, like the whole glass ceiling. I feel like there's a lot of transparent obstacles that represent all the various stigma attached to different groups. 
Yeah. And I think the more you're leading with various aspects or representations of those groups, the more of those hurdles you're going to run into. Most people aren't going to like, if they've built a system, they're not going to tell you that that bias is built in or when you're hitting it, you'll know you've hit it when you run into a wall. I think like, like for instance, look at what happened with Cindy Gallup. You know, she's renowned for talking about sex tech and then Mm -hmm. LinkedIn banned her um, unexpectedly like a week Mm -hmm. or two ago. Yeah. Now LinkedIn isn't going to necessarily say we've got bias from a woman talking about sex tech. Mm -hmm. Um, but clearly she, you know, she got hit by that built into their algorithm. Yeah. Thankfully they, they allowed her to come back. But I think that's one of the challenges that you see that I should say, I know that's one of the challenges yeah. we've been seeing. Yeah. So what is sex tech? I know this is off script, but what is sex tech? Um, sex tech, in our opinion, it's anything that any technology that you're using to enhance or be able to experience uh, your sexuality, to be able to explore it, enjoy it, or facilitate being able to like participate in your own sexuality. Mm-hmm. Or with a or with a partner yeah, or I partners. Byrony or Cindy that it said that enhances the human sexual experience, which is Oh, which I is love perfect. that. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. that's a better I like that. So one it's better. it's it's yeah, it's all the things. <laughs> yeah, all the things. <laughs> yeah, because I have been I have been seeing that 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 term like around and I was just like, ooh, what is that? And <laughs> it sounds so high tech. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that made it easier, kind of like let people kind of get around some of the stigma was like tech is being is so embraced by everyone from like VCs to engineers to mainstream media. Everyone had been for like 20 years so enamored with tech. So attached sex tech on sex and made it more palatable. Yeah, I think it's funny because it's like kind of like a catch 22, though, because you got the the tech thing kind of elevates it a little bit. But then as soon as you say sex and tech together, people think like the whole sex robots and porn and all yeah. that, they think very one-sided about what is sex tech. Exactly. Yeah. They don't think about teledildonics. They don't think about um, all the other things that are attached yep. to sex tech as well. The wellness it, side of it. And there's nothing, I mean, nothing wrong with sex robots or porn or any of those things either. Like. Yeah. I, I just want to make- But that's where like a lot of the stigma and yeah. bias comes from as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 I think that that is like a whole nother episode because like now we're talking about like how AI and and sex and like what that looks like. And um, Mm -hmm. yes. So it's the same for us, like uh, to speak to the sex and the tech. Yeah. um, Merging whatever we, however we were talking about it. That's another one of the misconceptions that we face as an agency is that we only work with adult oriented um, companies like strictly adult oriented. So like people think sex and they think strictly adult versus the wellness and the other like sides of it. Yeah. Like the fashion apparel toys. Yeah. Yeah. Entertainment yeah. travel. All we, we are interested in all aspects of yeah. adult pleasure. <laughs> That's like for us, we think of it as lifestyle. Yeah. Where when you think about lifestyle, it's like the full encompassing experience of living. What are all the different aspects that go into that. We want to work with mm-hmm. brands that are touching all of those different touch points exactly. that you go through. 
Yeah. 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 And like speaking of, of that, Sherry, like y'all work with Erica Lust and like the porn conversation. And I think like that is a huge project um, for those who don't know, like Erica Lust is um, an adult film entertainer. Correct me if I'm wrong. And she has Lust Cinema and she makes ethical porn. And I love the porn conversation because it gets people talking about like healthy porn and ethical porn and just very mindful of like the type of porn that they consume. So um, can you speak a little bit about that real quick? Uh, sure. Um, which part? <laughs> <laughs> just like how um, like the porn, the porn conversation and like what your role is with um, working with Erica and yeah, just like how that impacts y'all as a brand and I guess whatever you want to speak to. <laughs> well, we recently became ambassadors for the porn conversation and that was important to Ruben and I specifically because again, everything kind of comes to, from our, our upbringing and our past. And from our past, we come from a purity culture background where all of that was like absolutely forbidden. It wasn't even about whether it was choice or anything that we could make decisions for ourselves. It was strictly forbidden, even as a married couple. Um, so when we left all that behind and started exploring like all of the things and how do we feel about this, that, and the other thing and removing our own biases and our own beliefs, then we found pleasure in a lot of places that we had that were a great source of pain for us in the past because of conflict and the whole belief system and all that. So and porn was one of those, and it's one of those ones where we have found a lot of benefit from enjoying it together as a couple. Yeah. So, and when we found Erica Lust, like that just changed the game and Cindy's make love not porn. And there's some, there's some really good stuff out there. We're going to put together some lists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it changed it changed a lot for us, especially as a couple. So while there's so much out there that talks about all of the harms and the dangers in porn, we also wanted to speak to the benefits of it. And where the porn conversation comes in is really important because their their whole like mission is a, around how porn is entertainment is not education because people's one of their big issues that gets people all in an uproar is how it harms the children and that's their education yeah. but it's their education because it's what they have access to because we're not giving them the proper education Preach. And where there is an actual balance and what is needed and that's where the porn conversation comes in yeah yeah, yeah i would add to that too like with the porn being edu being entertainment rather than education like i would not expect to play a video game that's like gran turismo or some car game and think that now I'm, I'm <laughs> adequately trained. I'm gonna jump behind the, the steering wheel of a car and go out and drive it on the highway and drive on around and not get into like a hundred accidents and, and all of that. Video games are entertainment. They're, they're not meant to be driver's ed. And although some people somehow are just so savvy, they could learn how to do it from a video game. Most of us, you know, we need to actually get training to be able to drive a car. Yeah. And it, they're great as entertainment. Like, you know, they're legit fun and all that kind of stuff. Porn isn't any different. It's entertainment. And yeah, there's some that's like, like Erica Lust on, on, 
X Confessions, they have a, a whole series of educational yeah. porn that's literally like, this is actually how sex really works versus this is how um, sex done in porn works. Yeah. They're not the same thing. I think it's it's great, especially if folks who don't have a lot of sexual experience or, or any sexual experience to get the education. But then the entertainment side is like yeah. great too. They just serve two different purposes. Yeah, because even as I was going to say, you know, we need age appropriate sex education that actually educates people on what it is. And even as adults, we still want that too. There's so much to learn and yeah. to know that it's like, it, it's the, what do you go? Learn as you go kind of situation for most yes. of us. And that's not, Yeah. What that's else not, in life do you do yeah. that? Like other than <laughs> parenting and like sex, most things you get actual education yeah. in like more of a formalized way. Um, in a couple of these these segments of life that are uber important, they're like, eh, let's just throw you in the frying pan and <laughs> throw you in the real deal with nothing, no safety net, and see what happens. That's exactly. Why, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, yeah. As as a former sex ed teacher, um, yes, I can definitely relate, and I have so many stories of like these poor kids, like their parents aren't talking to them about sex, and like porn is all they know. So that's, that's their impression of sex. And like, even in my practice, um, I just had to tell a grown up the other day that porn is not real. And just like the shock on their face was like, I told them like the world ended or something like that. So <laughs> it is just that. It yeah, is just even, that. And when, even when you say to, to that, like, I know for myself when I was younger and thinking, I don't know like how much I thought like whether porn was real or not, but as a woman, you definitely think that that's what's expected. Of exactly. You. Exactly. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And so I am glad that, you know, the porn conversation does exist and, you know, that y'all are ambassadors and like, it's just like another level to add to y'all's brand and to get the education piece out there. And like, I love what you said about for adults too, because yeah, if you didn't grow up with the knowledge, then you turn into an adult that doesn't really know too much about sex. And you're kind of just like fumbling your way and feeling your way through it. And like, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so. <laughs> oh, I could say so much to that. I mean, I wish we, <laughs> we were lucky had... to have somebody who was also fumbling. <laughs> we were fumbling together. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I wish, I wish we had had better. Man, if one of us knew what we were doing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's wild. That's where porn literacy comes in. Yes. Where it's like an extra layer on top of sex education, you get the porn literacy will help helps you kind of like film literacy, help you dissect, you know, and be able to critique things and have more of an informed, critical um, perspective on stuff. So it makes it much easier to evaluate it and then evaluate it for things that ma that matter as well beyond like aesthetics and all that things like ethics um, and the working conditions and that and, and all that. I think it's great too, because it help you kind of like be more introspective and kind of like look at your own wants and desires and hopefully help yourself feel better about yourself and release some of the shame that most of us in this culture at least carry. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so I know we kind of talked about it earlier um, about some of the clients that you work with and like you alluded that you don't get too many people um, that don't know your brand and that aren't on the same page as you that reach out to you and work with you. But the reason why I wanted to ask this question um, is because 
So the reason why I started Sex and Color um, was I joke that this podcast was what was supposed to happen in 2020, where everybody was saying, we're going to give Black voices amplified, we're going to let Black voices speak and all of that. And that, that lasted for like two seconds and then <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> yep. um, so I'm curious, like, do you get companies that reach out to you that are like, hey, like this is going on and, you know, this will look good for our image and we're just going to do this to like clean up our image, our image, or just say that we are LGBTQ inclusive. Um, we are pleasure inclusive, but like, we're not really sincere about it. Do you get those type of people that reach out to I you? I love to ask that question. Cause that is keeping it a buck. I, you know, what's funny. Part of me feels like I wish we had people reached out. Cause then it's like, that's when you know, you made it. Yes. <laughs> people who reach out are reaching out. <laughs> Um, no, we, we have, I mean, I've heard people tell stories about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but no, we haven't personally experienced that, but mm -hmm. we like kind of, like you said, when you were about 2020, I don't know that we actually experienced much benefit from, from that. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like when we had a virtual event, we definitely had colleagues who supported that. We had colleagues who bought tickets and all of that to support what we were doing, even if they weren't necessarily, um, it wasn't that a thing. Was that, yeah, that was no, genuine. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that was very genuine. Um, but but I, but the the disingenuous stuff where they're trying to repair their image or something like that or get clout, culture clout. Um, no, we haven't. I haven't experienced that. Um, yeah, and since we put up our new website with our new brand, <laughs> we tell them right now we don't want you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <sighs> it just makes it easy. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I am glad that you have not experienced that. And like, yes, y'all, their website is very straightforward. They will tell you if they want you, don't want you. Like, <laughs> if you ain't it, then yes. So <laughs> no clout chasers allowed. Exactly. Definitely not. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll have you questioning uh, if you're a clout chaser, have you clout questioning uh, your ways and maybe we'll, you know, you'll become a reformed clout chaser. <laughs> You know what? I'm not even going to lie. Like, I had to take a pause. I'm like, am I? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <That's funny. sighs> I felt called in and called out at the same time. So <laughs> We want you to feel called in. We want you definitely to feel called in. <laughs> so, yeah. So how do people um, find you and, like, reach out to you that want to work with you? Um, the easiest way to find us is go to flymediaproductions.com and then um, you can email us. Um, you can also connect with us on LinkedIn. Fly Media Productions um, is the business's channel. Um, and then and so Fly Duo um, everywhere else for us. Yeah. 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 Those are the easiest ways. What is the email? Is it? Uh, hello. 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 <laughs> hello. hello. I just, you know what? I just thought of the. Uh, um, hello, good morning. <laughs> and then I went right to the uh, other one. Adele. No, yeah. no. This doesn't matter. <laughs> I couldn't remember it. I'm like, what is that email? Yeah, hello at flymediaproductions.com if, if um, you want to peep us. But it's best to peep the website first, flymediaproductions.com. Um, yeah. So you can get a sense of, of what the agency really stands for and is all about. Um, but if you love great brand work, we would love to work with you. Yeah, and if you're oh. curious, we're 
we would love to have a consultation, walk you through our process and, and how we do do what we do. Oh, yeah, yeah that's a, no I, obligations. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yes, yes. Y'all reach out to them. Um, their work is amazing. Their website is amazing. Um, and like they are awesome, if you cannot tell already. Um, and their bio, they're like, they're Method Man and Mary J. Blash, which is going to be my wedding song <laughs> if I eventually get married. So <laughs> That song is so like, we've been into that ever since, I mean, since it first came out. You remember when Strawberries had the uh, TV commercial where they had the the original version of it? And mm-hmm. then they got the, they'd ride up in the low rider, the uh, guy and the girl, and they got the Method Man, Mary J version. I just went bananas when I first saw that commercial. <laughs> I remember running around the living room. And I'm like, Sherry, do you see this? Do you see this? <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, we say we go back. What did it say? We go back like bell bottoms and Afro sheen. Yeah. The bell bottoms is me. I'm the hippie over here. And the Afro sheen is clearly rooted. <laughs> I love it. We've been together a hot baby. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> We're like, what What can we go way back to? It would have been like back in the day. That's perfect. And like, y'all also have like a YouTube. I, I did check out y'all's YouTube channel, which y'all should check out. It's really, really awesome. Um, can y'all talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate that. So one of the things we wanted to do was we wanted to kind of like, a friend of ours, they were doing a show and they, it was about like um, navigating um, neuroatypical life, raising kids and being married and all of that. Um, they, they're kind of like living it out loud in their journey. So we listened to their show and we were super inspired. We listened to it for a few years and we kept saying we wanted to do something. We wanted to do something, um, but we couldn't figure out how to exactly encapsulate what we wanted to do and formatting and all of that. And then in 2020, we kind of like solidified what we wanted to do. And, I th- and then we started recording. Um, it took like, we we're, recorded- still, we're still like, we record and then we'll go missing for a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying, we're trying. Like we have so many like, big ideas for it, but it's basically like our experiences on our own, like our own liberation journey. And the whole thing where we have experienced so much from other people sharing their stories to what Ruben was saying. And I don't know where we would be without other people's experiences. And we just wanted to add our voice to the conversation and where we felt there was, there was, we hadn't found a lot of, um, I guess, like our experience, you know what I mean? There's, There's a lot of stories and people's examples out there we don't find as many where people are actually in it, like currently kind of going through the work. Um, so that's where we find ours was kind of a unique um, yeah. point of it's view. It's like while yeah. we're still on our journey. Yeah. And we kind of, we wanted to give back. We had gotten so much, like when we were listening to um, uh, Sunny Megatron, Ken Melvonberg, they run the American Sex Podcast. And we got so much out of that podcast. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, like, when we're trying to figure out how much do you share and how much do you not share, we thought about all the people who we've gotten so much, like, impact from. And, like, I think at the time is when I had started reading Asada Shakur's um, autobiography. I'm like, well, look at all this. Oh, I love it. She's, like, she is. She's, yes. If I could be a tenth of what she is, <laughs> yes. I'd be like, okay, I've done it. You know what I mean? Mm. You wouldn't be able to live with me. I'd be like. 
yo, I'm a tenth of a sada. Like, you know, like <laughs> but like I I wanted to have we wanted to have that kind of impact on other people. And it only comes from from being vulnerable. And that only comes from sharing. Like you yeah. can't be vulnerable if you don't put yourself out there. And you can't I I don't think you have the same kind of impact on people if you don't put something out there. And I we both really want to have a lot of impact. So that's that's a big motivator is to it's a way of giving back and and a way of showing appreciation for all the people's stories who have like kind of like helped us get to where we are today. And then we really hope that if even one person is able to avoid some of the stuff we've been through because of us sharing our story, then that is something because I look back and I wish if I had seen our story 27 years ago, there's a hell of a lot we would have done different. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's the way I see it. <laughs> yeah. And I think like it is important because you both show that this is a journey, right? And like you are always constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. And like where you start isn't necessarily where you're going to end up. And I see that in my my work as a therapist, like a lot of couples miss the journey. They feel like they should have it figured out. They feel like there's something wrong with them if they don't have it figured out. And so that's what I really appreciated about um, y'all's YouTube channel is the vulnerability is the, hey, we are still figuring this out as we go. Like we are still figuring this shit out and like, that's okay. And like, and it's the figuring out. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. Very and hard. It, <laughs> it, it absolutely is. It's like, hard enough to do it on your own and then yeah together is like there's three there's three different journeys happening at one time yeah 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 and like it seems like it has brought y'all closer together as a couple and like y'all have managed to like weather through um like figuring out in the journey and the hard part so i feel like that's important for for people to see absolutely (laughs) that's that's what actually motivated us to actually do the show and to share our stories because by other people sharing their stories, us benefiting from it, trying new things and new experiences, having immense benefit and our relationship just growing leaps and bounds. We're like, we have to tell other people, we have to share with other people. You know, yeah. we're just getting started. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to balance between doing that and running the agency and our own chronic illness and stuff like that. But we are, we are um, currently working on a new format that will help hopefully allow us to be able to put out more content more regularly yeah. oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna we'll be coming back um and create more content and all of that <laughs> so it's not gonna it's not gonna just it's like get abandoned anywhere. in any yeah. way yeah that's good it's just it's just been be challenging figuring us. out a, a consistent schedule yes that's that part <laughs> consistency yes uh that is my enemy and my best friend consistency yes. <laughs> <laughs> So last question before we wrap up. Um, So how has being a person of color impacted the way you work um, with your clients? And do you bring that in? That is a good question. Um, In in case people don't know, will let Ruben answer that because (laughs) I'm not a people of color. See, I appreciate that. Thank you, Sherry. Because Sherry's always been up front with it. She's, it's not clear. Yeah. <laughs> She's not trying to be, what was Rachel Dolezal? She's not trying to be Rachel Dolezal. You know what? I'm taking this in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. Let me pause. I just wanted to say, because you can't see me, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, thank you. I, I appreciate um, that. Sure. So it, 
it has been a journey being like, and I can only speak from um, perspective of being a black man. Like I can't speak from, cause there's a lot of other, obviously a lot of other people's experiences, but it's been a journey for me. I came out of a very blue collar background, like professionally. Um, and then I navigated into tech primarily out of need because of um, some disabilities that I have and needing to switch out of the more like physical work into something that was less physical because of my health problems. Um, early on, I, when we did our, the work we did online, our public facing stuff, we opted to not have like my picture on there um, or to put like any reference to my name and all of that. But also a lot of that came out of like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 50 soon. So like the way things are today is not the way things were in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So it was not, you know, and I'm so glad things are, are, are real nice now, comparatively speaking, in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm not talking, police brutality was the same. It's just now yeah. we're seeing it, but I'm not talking about that. That's got to change. But yeah. um, like, like it was not so easy to be a black person running a business. I mean, I, I went for jobs and, and, and I, um, one of the places I was going to get a job, the guy who was going to hire me had to call me back later and tell me that he couldn't hire me. And that now he's trying to figure out how to exit the company because there was, he had never seen so much racism mm -hmm. and he had no idea the people that worked at his company were so racist until he gave me the tour of the company. He said, I'm not going to tell you the words they said, because I know you already know. He goes, basically, I realize you already know all this stuff and I'm just finding it out, but I'm really disturbed. But needless to say, I can't offer you the job and you wouldn't want the job anyway. Yeah. Um, so those were like my experiences coming up as a young person. So like, that's why when I say like, we didn't put our face on, on there, I didn't put my name on there. It was because there was a lot of like every decision to be visible as an interracial couple, as a black person, they had real weight that could make or break us in a, in a you know, a million different ways. Over time though, um, and then initially when we started, we tried to be like all the other like more corporate feeling companies. Mm -hmm. The problem is that's not who we are. So over time we evolved and we got more freedom to be ourselves. We were usually always well ahead of the trends, always well ahead of where everybody else is. So we were being, you know, black and proud before it was, yeah. you know, paying people dividends. You know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but now it feels good because I can, it, I can at least hold my head high. I feel good about it. You still figure out, you know, I think you're always going to have to figure, figure out navigating code switching as things evolve. Um, I, I had to do a lot of work with figuring out that because for me, it was always the default. And I was really, really like miserable because of it. Sherry was a huge help in helping me to um, feel better about o overcoming code switch. I know I that sounds say, really stupid, it's but it's main, like. It's one of the big reasons why we just went kind of loud and unapologetic about who we are as a brand. Yeah. When, then when Ruben would be like, oh, I found like I didn't like the way I talked to that person during that interview or that call or whatever. I'm like, just remember, like. Think about who your brand is. This is who they expect you to be. You don't have to worry exactly. about it so much anymore. So when yeah. you put yourself, your full self out there and that's who you're presenting to the world, you can default to who you are versus 
something else because that's what they're expecting anyway. Yeah, which exactly. is really and, and once they already know you're black before they even talk to you, you don't have to worry about what happens if they find out that I'm black. Yeah. Yeah. Because that yeah. was always the fear like, oh, you know, um, cause not everybody, you know, associated my name and how it was spelled with being black. It could be Jewish or it could be Latin, Latinx, or it could be even white folks. Some white folks has a name Ruben. So it was yeah. like, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of probably going in the weeds with it, but let me just say it's been a journey <laughs> and it has informed the work we do on our own brand and the work we yeah. do for our clients as well. Um, yeah. it's, I'm proud of where we've gotten to. Yeah, well, you um, said the interracial thing. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That feels like a whole <laughs> lifetime ago. Oh, my like, God. being afraid for people to know. That we're yeah. interracial. Yeah. 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 We got, we and got... we weren't just business partners. We were a couple. Yeah, that was. <laughs> now it's like, now we celebrate it. Now that yeah. is our brand. That's who we are. It's, yeah. Again, it, again, put out <laughs> who you want to be. Force people to accept it, you know. And it's not like the stuff was in our head because we did get, you know, we no, got we a lot did. of negative yeah. for those. People never really held back when, when they had you, something to say. They would afraid, say it. when you're always afraid of what people are going to think or say, it you're impacts small. you greatly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you just kind of unapologetically be yourself, and that becomes your brand, then you, I mean, you look funny when you try to do something different. You know Absolutely. exactly. I mean, it's how we got on stages. It's how we gave presentations. It's how we became ambassadors, not only for the porn conversation, but for the Bureau of Digital. And I mean, being us, being it unapologetically is how we've gotten a lot of the opportunities we have now versus way back in the day, we were just kind of faceless, nameless. Yeah. And there was nothing for anyone to really latch on to. Yeah. 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 I, I totally agree with, with all of that. And again, like our journeys are very similar. And <laughs> I know when I started my private practice, um, melanin sex therapy, it caters to people of color and black people. Um, I was told that I was not going to make any money. And like, I was like, you know, all types of things. And like, I wasn't going to be able to help anybody and nobody was going to come see me and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I stuck true to who I was because I have always been very unapologetically black, very proud to be a black woman. And I think like, it's important to show that and to like help heal my community. So I know I'm going on a tangent, but <laughs> I love it. I, yeah. I think it's awesome. It's important. And the thing yeah. is, it's not like you can't make money or you won't make money. You can make a lot of money. You may not make as much money as like if you're trying to, I don't, you know where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> Try to, yeah. We're okay with making less money. We're still going to make a lot of money, but we're yeah. okay with making less money and being a lot happier and working with great people, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, that is what it's about at the end of it end of the day and like showing up as your authentic self. And, and I think like, the more authenticity that's put out there, that's going to help like the next generation come up and be authentic and say like, I can do this. I can be myself and I can work with who I want to work and just build my brand the way that I want to build it and build it in a way that feels true and authentic for me. So thank you both so much um thank you. for coming thank you. on i really enjoy this conversation yeah this and, was awesome <laughs> yeah and i definitely want to have you all back 
um, because I would love to have a conversation around chronic illness and disability and sexuality. So yes, yes please. I want <laughs> Hell yes, we're, we're, Sherry. I'm, I'm gonna speak for both of us. Hell yes, we're in. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. So again, can you just like let people know where to reach you if they want to follow you, all that good stuff? Sure. You can find us at flymediaproductions.com, Fly Media Productions on LinkedIn, and XO Fly Duo on all of the socials. And you can find Sherry at your girl Sherry J. Yes, which links off of XO Fly Duo. But oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm your I'm your big room. Too much. Your girl Sherry J and Yo Big Yeah. Yo Big (laughs) Love y'all's Instagram. Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you. That's all I can say. Oh, you're welcome. This has been a a pleasure. It is so great talking to you. And thank you so much. You don't even know. Thank you so much. It was was really, really dope. All right, sexperts. That's a wrap for today's episode of Sex and Color. Don't forget that we are now a part of the Alive Podcast Network and you can subscribe for ad-free listening. New episodes drop every Tuesday and you can also follow me wherever you get your podcasts. Also, follow me on Instagram at sexandcolorpod. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'm Adriel and this has been Sex and Color.